This is Ben from Virginia, and I hate I Dot It with Dollamore. I don't listen to it, and I still don't know what a bug is. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Lucky number 107, episode 107, this March 18th, 2015. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting directly across from me, rearing to go, is my lovely and talented co-host, Brittany Page. That would be me. You're here. Mm-hmm. Once again. Yes. And my mic is on this time. 100 episodes deep. Listen, we don't need to let them know how the sausage is made or how I fuck up everything all the time. Um, 100 episodes, 107 episodes deep and you're still here. Yes. You haven't walked out. Nope. Is it surprising? That is no, not surprising. Just it's it's nice to see. Yes. <laughs> so a couple little pieces of housekeeping before we get moving on. Last episode, I did not drop the phone number, so I wanted to get that out of the way very quickly. If you have anything you'd like to add or detract from any of the topics we talk about, the number to call is six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. You can leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail there, or you can also record yourself on your smartphone and email it to idoubtitatdollamore.com. A couple other items. We are on the precipice of 300 likes on our Facebook page, a measly, crazy-ass low number, 300 likes on the Facebook page. It's amazing to me how much our listening audience numbers dwarfs the people who follow the Facebook page. Yeah, it's kind of strange. It, it, I think it's just people... Just want to hear us talk and not see what we post. Well, I mean, there's there's lots of things. There's even podcasts that I listen to that I don't follow their Facebook page. So it doesn't really... Translate. It, well, it doesn't really shock me because I'm part of the problem because I don't follow the Facebook pages of, you know, all of the... I mean, very, 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 very few of the podcasts that I follow or that I listen to. Anyway, Jesus Christ. So do that. Go like the Facebook page. You're not going to be monitored or tracked or anything else. There's many people we don't even get alerts that uh, who they are. The other thing is, if you're a listener and you haven't reviewed the show on iTunes, I don't know what's going on. There must be some secret, unmeasured hatred toward us because that is a very, very minor thing that doesn't take any time at all. And it goes a, a long way toward helping us out and getting us back into that new and noteworthy section as well as um, into the what's hot. So other listeners whom you don't know will be able to find us as well. Well, they're just being greedy then. They're wanting to keep the podcast for themselves. <laughs> they don't want us to have exposure. I guess the audience of I Doubt It with Dollamore are just a collective group of selfish pricks. Is that what you're saying, Brittany? No, 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 no. <laughs> I said it in a no. more appropriate, measured Listen, every, way. Everybody heard you. Okay. Everybody. All right. Including me. <laughs> I know that. Loud and clear. Yes. Lima Charlie, as they say in the business. 
The Marine Corps business. Oh, right. Jesse was a Marine. <laughs> oh, I get it. Lima, Charlie. Right. Loud and clear, right. Elsie. Yeah. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Putting it together. And then the other thing would be if you are also listening to the show and have not yet called in or recorded yourself on your smartphone and emailed it to idoubtitatdollamore.com, your promo for the show saying who you are, where you're from, and how very much you hate the show, you need to get on that. I don't know what's taken so long, but they are funny. We love them, and they're a hit. The audience, we've gotten a lot of good feedback on them. So we are going to continue the trend and roll forward with a self-deprecating flavor at the onset of the show. So once again, 657-464-7609, and I doubt it at dollamore.com. What I want to start the show talking about is a little bit about Facebook. We we this week, Brittany and I both, have experienced um, unfriendings. <laughs> and it's always odd when you find out that you've un- been unfriended. But we we both have, we thought about what stories to tell. And uh, I also want to hear from the audience about some epic unfriending, not... That we've done unfriending, but that we've been unfriended. Right, right. So I have a pretty, I have a couple interesting ones. Um, I think my favorite one is when I was deleted by my great uncle. Oh, yeah. That's I've never one. met him. I So I don't know him. I don't have like a personal relationship with him. We just were Facebook friends. He's my great uncle. I wrote him one time in a private message and asked him some stuff. And he like talked about the family with me. That was cool. But then one day I overstep my boundaries and I insulted JFK. Right. You need to set the stage that he is a knee jerk, wild, radical, weirdo liberal. Oh yeah, he Not is. Not just liberal though. He's he's radical wild democrat. Everything yes, democrat is right. wonderful. Right. And all things Republican are evil. Right, because my criticism of JFK is that he's a philandering prick. Like, that's what I said. Uh, correction, was a philandering prick. Yes, and... Because he's dead as shit right now. <laughs> and I, I just said that. You know, I don't even remember what it was. I think just in a status update, I was like, maybe talking about... Um, no, I, rem- I remember exactly when it was. It was during the 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 JFK miniseries. Oh, right, right, um, right. Starring, was it Greg Kinnear? That sounds right. Yeah, on on like History Channel yeah. or, or E or whatever. Yeah. And all of his uh, indiscretions were being really laid out there. And right. And you just commented about, you don't know why he's so revered because he treated his family like shit. Right. And that was not taken very well by my, yeah, my yeah. great uncle. So he deleted me as a friend. And not even with like <laughs> saying anything, he just did it and which is weird because you are you are of his ilk you are a liberal person right and i, I mean i'm not ex- as extreme as him but you can tell how extreme he is where you can't even comment something negative about right. jfk well he had to protect his precious little echo chamber exactly it was at it was at, at risk of being uh a crack in the facade of the echo chamber exactly yeah well, my story isn't just a, a tale of unfriending. It also came along with a block. I got blocked. And this one's great because it's my the wife of my former pastor. Uh-oh. 
my it was my youth pastor from high school. Nice. These people whom I still love. I mean, I feel bad for them but that they're still um, wrapped up in the faith and all that. But it, it all it was sparked because of a conversation we were in about Obamacare. <laughs> and oh yeah, and the the RFID, the radio frequency ID chip that is apparently in the language and going to be implanted into all of us. It was nutter butter conspiracy time. I, I was reminded just now of R.I.P.D. Oh right, that movie, yeah. and it's kind of they're kind of <laughs> similar ideas. Yeah, really weird. Anyway, there is a conspiracy thread that runs in people that or or. Um, there is a strain of humans who, I don't know if I want to cons- um, talk about them like they're a disease, but there is a strain of human beings who do believe that there is language within the Affordable Care Act that will mandate radio frequency ID chips to be implanted under our skin so we can be tracked at all times. And these people, who are obviously Christian, also believe this. They believe it to be akin to the mark of the beast. Your your former youth pastor's wife, right? Yes. Okay. No, no, no. My former youth pastor, she, her husband was the main pastor, the head pastor of oh, the church. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, I'm just saying you were saying they believe this. They believe. Oh, right. You're talking about her. Well, no. Well, I'm talking about the overall movement of people who do believe this, and they happen to be a part of this. Right. Okay. And so... I think that it probably manifested the block, the unfriend and block, probably manifested itself when I talked about religion as mythology. Not specifically Christianity, mind you, just just religion in general. Um, and it got me fucking blocked. She blocked the shit right out of me. And still, you know, we're still connected through many, many different friends and I'll... I'll be in a conversation about politics or whatever on someone's page, and the, I will see someone responding to this person, <laughs> and I have to get someone who's a friend of mine to go and read because I'm dying to know just what kind of crazy, cr- crazy shit she's spewing, and it is crazy. It's, it is, uh, it is damaging, hateful, oftentimes racist bullshit. So. Ultimately, the story is more funny than anything else because I don't mind being blocked by someone whom I believe uh, is poisoning the minds of her children and those around her who hold her in high esteem. Well, it doesn't sound very funny, so let's tell another funny one from me. Um, <laughs> oh, really? We're going to you for the funny? Yeah. All right. So I got deleted again a couple years ago by someone that I went to uh, middle school and high school with. And this person used to bully me. I'm waiting to see which one this is. Very badly used to bully me. And then when we became friends on Facebook and he kind of saw how, you know, I guess I look or whatever, um, he messaged me and he's like, oh, you've become so gorgeous. And I just want to apologize for bullying you. I was going to say, Brittany's beating around the bush that she was just, you know, a regular middle school child and she has grown into a a beautiful, a gorgeous woman, and this asshole, I know the story, um, apparently was regretting his his past choices relative to his treatment of you and decided to shower upon you praise and trying to, like, 
sideways compliment you and get back in good graces. Gr- good graces. Right. And he did it a couple of times. I think he messaged me like three times. Oh, yeah. That. He also private messaged you. Right, right. Right. So, um, but then, you know, I, I don't remember what I said, but a couple, maybe a year later, he had been posting something about gay marriage. And he is a Catholic, um, but but doesn't consider the Pope the vicar of Christ, but a Catholic. Um, and it just means he's fucking dumb. So I commented on his gay marriage thread and I, you know, entered into this debate. And at one point he compared um, gay marriage to bestiality. Like they always do. And even went so far as to use the example of Coco the gorilla saying, <laughs> well, Coco the gorilla, you know, she has language. And, you know, they're eventually going to say, well, animals, they, listen, they can speak. They Listen, Brittany, I don't know about you, but an animal having language really, really turns me on. It really <laughs> revs my engine. Whenever, whenever I see a YouTube video of Coco the gorilla signing English words, I want to bang that sexy ass gorilla. It okay. just, it's the natural order of things. That sounds like a problem. So... <laughs> So I just commented, I said, really, you're you're comparing gay marriage to bestiality. And he responded and called me like a stupid bitch or, said, or don't, something. Don't put words in my mouth when you just repeated what he said. Right. And so he automatically went to insulting me. And so I was like, oh, obviously, I've hit a sore spot for you. Like, this is a problem. And I was kind of snarky, you know, but I, I ended up being deleted by him. So we really came full circle. You know, he right. bullied me. Then he apologized. Then we got into an argument. He realized that he, you know, can't handle that and deleted me. So it's just like the full circle of life. Here's another one and then we'll end this. But the other night I I uh, woke up in the middle of the night and had a friend request or I was up in the middle of the night maybe and, ha- and a, fr- a friend request came across my my laptop and it was someone from the, the same church I've been talking about. And I thought, I'm not going to accept it right this very second because it'll seem like I'm a weirdo who's up late at night online and immediately accept, you know, I'm a weirdo. I worry about what people think, apparently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so I waited until the next morning, where, whereupon I discovered that this person had deleted the friend request because apparently they were quick, clicked request when they were stalking my profile and then realized, oh, shit, oh, shit, I got I to gotta undo that quick before he sees it. But little do they know, I saw it. Uh-oh. So now they're just in my suggested friends all the time. Mm. Nope. This is the first time I'm hearing this story, so I cannot wait to hear who it is. Oh, you'll have to see. Okay, great. Very funny. Inside jokes. Yeah. I'm sure it's really riveting for the audience. I know. Huh? Sorry, I can't wait everybody. to see later. Yeah. <laughs> we suck at our job. But if you have a funny story... Yeah, to tell us definitely. about an unfriend because you know this this social networking it's you know relatively new and so this whole unfriending thing is kind of a it's a it's a weird trend i mean there's people that you may have been close to that you now have deleted as a friend because you see what they're really like and they post political and religious things we we never would have been exposed to this kind of stuff the thoughts in people's head yeah. before social media and now that we see what's in people's heads all the time we're kind of like yeah we don't want a part of that <laughs> yeah the often unfiltered it's, some people use facebook and twitter like it's their fucking personal diary not knowing, inexplicably not knowing, apparently, that it goes out to the ether, to everyone to see. 
So in going on that, it just ties really well into Brett number two's second email that he sent us. Brett number two becoming a regular, important contributor to the show. Really appreciating the the participation from the lovely and talented Brett number two. Right. And in his first email to us, he he suggested a topic to us and we we didn't address that. So he's he emailed us again and said, hey, address that topic. But in his first email, he did say that he has very negative views of social media. And so as social media friendly folks, he's talking about us. And I would consider myself that. I'm out there. Yeah. All you got to do is a fucking basic internet search of me and I'm my shit's laid to bear. Right. He wants our feedback, our opinion on Kurt Schilling. Right. So this is Brett's email brett number two sorry hey you two see no favoritism there you go he didn't use folks this time he said hey you two i guess okay (laughs) he says i know i know you glossed over the kurt schilling story from my previous email perhaps because you just ain't interested but it appears ashley judd is also pressing charges against anonymous twitter users for obscene gestures tweeted at her I know Celebrity Does X is not in your usual wheelhouse, nor is it in mine. But I find this to be an interesting trend, if it can be considered a trend. What if celebrities and or public figures start prosecuting slash publicly shaming keyboard cowboys? I love love that, by the way. Yeah, it's great. Keyboard cowboys. Thereby making said cowboys accountable for their actions. Could this then trickle down to an entirely new accountability system for teenagers being bullied online for whatever reasons teenagers are bullied? We see messages about the harmful effects of online bullying, but it always seems to be accompanied by a shrug. What can we do about it response? Should these people be held accountable for attacking public figures on social media? Or do you believe that by posting online, you are openly subjecting yourself to ridicule, threats, etc.? And again, feel free to disregard if you have no interest in the story, but I thought you might have an interesting take other than, good, burn these cowboys, or I hate Celebrity X, so they deserve it. Hope to hear you complain about the heat and beautiful weather again this week. Note the heavy sarcasm, Brett number two. Listen, well, I guess the same could be said of me. I was going to say, nobody's forcing you to live in fucking Boston. Boston. Nobody's forcing that on you. But then the same could be said. No one's forcing me to live in the shitty place that has 75 degree weather all the all the, all the days. Yeah. Well, you you're know? complaining about that. I was complaining about the 90 degree weather. Listen, it's not a complaint. And we'll get to the Kurt Schilling and the Ashley Judd stuff. But it's not. I want to clarify for everybody. It's not a complaint about, oh, I hate nice weather. That's not it. It's there's no variety. Some comedian sometime made a joke about the easiest job on the planet is to be a weatherman in San Diego because it's 70 and sunny all year round. There's never rain. There's never clouds. It's always this. And I tell people that. What's it like in December? 75 and sunny. What's it like in June? 75 and sunny. It's not that that's bad because that's clearly great. It's that it's always that. There's no snow. There's rarely rain. It's a pain in my dick. Not a fan. Okay, so we'll so- start with Kurt Schilling. <laughs> Sorry. And then we will do Ashley Judd. You were you were seconds away from giving me the the hand 
in a Pac-Man symbol making, you know, the mouth moving sound. Right. Okay. So, so it all started last week when Kurt Schilling uh, congratulated his daughter, Gabby, for getting accepted into college and starting a softball career. Yeah. She got into Salve Regina University in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. Do you want to explain who Kurt Schilling is? Because I still don't know who he is, <laughs> even though I know all about this story. Kurt Schilling, if he is not already, is well on his way to being a Hall of Fame Major League Baseball pitcher who has pitched for many teams, and I think the Red Sox in particular. I'm not a baseball fan. I stopped watching baseball in 1994, 1994 during the the strike, and I never came back. But uh, Kurt Schilling is also a nutter butter Christian weirdo who went on Twitter and was talking about evolution being uh, a lie and not provable like he's a fucking scientist or something. But so, you know, he's got his issues, but none of that, none of that should put uh, his daughter in a position where she's going to be receiving some of the stuff that she received online. Right. So after he tweeted that tweet of congratulations to her, um, what followed was a number of sexually suggestive tweets about Gabby and some of them implied rape and other horrible things. Right. And not just to Gabby. No, I'm not justifying saying if it, if it were just to Gabby, it would be fine. What I'm saying is it was also, if you don't use Twitter, they were addressed both to Kurt Schilling and to his daughter. The, these terrible, horrible things. Right. So, um... We'll read some of the tweets. Yeah, please do. And I'm sorry in advance because well, some of them are going to be graphic. I also want you to, I don't know how you feel about it, but I also want you to read the usernames of these uh, dickholes. Oh, I'll be reading the usernames. Good. Um, okay, so the sports guru at Nagels underscore bagels, N-A-G-E-L-S underscore bagels, yeah. says Kurt bleeds more from his sock than Gabby does from her pussy when she's on her period. This is a reference to a World Series um, game where he had, uh, he was bleeding, there was like red blood, there was obviously red blood, but there was blood coming out of his sock from his ankle area during a game, and he's making reference to that, but they, they, they just abhorrent. This, he's a terrible person. Someone named Hollywood at primetime227 says, Kurt rocked the mullet business in front, party in back. Gabby prefers the party in the back. Hashtag butt stuff 2015. The sports guru again says, teach me your knuckleball technique so I can shove my fist in your daughter. Ugh. Goddamn. The internet does strange things to people where they feel very emboldened by the relative safety of their mother's basement. Well, and this is, you know, this is really horrifying. And we talked about it on the last episode, too, like where when this became a thing, the rape threats and the talking like this. Right. Um, and I thought that Jimmy Kimmel's mean tweets would actually do a service to the Internet to illustrate that, yeah, you might be tweeting Sofia Vergara, but she's going to read that. And she's a real person. And she's a real human being right. who's going to read the message that you're sending to her. And just because these people have money and they have status and they have power doesn't mean that they aren't affected by someone tweeting them something. Right. And we'll we'll go on to Ashley Judd, but but that's another example of, of someone who is has the potential to be very impacted by this. Sure. Well, Kurt Schilling, before we move on to Ashley Judd, he actually... Um 
called these people out, and two of these people have gotten fired from their jobs subsequent to these tweets. One person was a, a part-time ticket salesman or a ticket taker at uh, Yankee Stadium, and he has been fired. He's been let go from his position. Oh, you mean he wasn't like a medical doctor? Right. Not a, No, not a doctor. He's not, not a brain surgeon? Not an intellectual, Britain. <laughs> no, not a college professor. Wow. And uh, the other one also got let go. But he, here's the thing, and... In, well, I tell you what, let's 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 move on to Ashley Judd and then we'll kind of sum up. So this week, Ashley Judd was watching the SEC, the Southeastern Conference Basketball Championship game between uh, Kentucky and Arkansas. She is obviously a Kentucky, well, I don't know, obviously, but she is a Kentucky fan from Kentucky. And she felt as though the Arkansas players were playing dirty. So she tweeted the obvious Arkansas is playing dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She didn't say anything more than that. Arkansas is playing dirty. And the the onslaught of douchebaggery was initiated on Twitter and directed directly at her. Right. And I don't have um, tweets from from the trolls to her, but um, I have a tweet from her reaction when this happened. She said, when I express a stout opinion during hashtag March Madness, I am called a whore. Right. Threatened with anal sex again. Right. Threatened with sexual violence. Not okay. So she is a survivor of rape and incest. Yeah. And so I'm sure to someone who has been a victim of rape and incest, when you are reading those threats online, it's even more chilling. Well, it opens up an old wound, for sure. Right. And it, it, and it, it makes you uh, realize again old traumas that I'm sure you don't want to remember. Right. And it's it's not a funny joke. Like I just right. I, that's why I'm so confused by where these where these rape threats are coming from. Like I just don't understand why it's that's but when did it become a thing? Yeah. yeah. And, and why is that something that that many people do? I mean, this is this is two different instances now just this week of people threatening rape online. So the good thing about this is she's threatening legal action. She's going to go after these people and here lies the conundrum. Here lies the question. Um, here, here's what we face. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. I, I do know this. I can say unequivocally, if you, if you level threats or if you incite violence, that is against the law, clearly. And that should be prosecuted. And I don't have a problem with that. However, if you're just making fun of someone and calling someone names, I'm not defending it because it's shitty. And it's juvenile and it's sophomoric and it is uh, terrible, but I don't think it rises to the level of prosecution. You know what I mean? Calling someone a cunt or a bitch or talking about someone's pussy, all those things, they're terrible. They're untoward, but I don't know that they rise to the level of getting the law involved or censoring someone's speech. Right. I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not a law person, so it's, it's hard for me to say, um, based on facts, but, um, of what I know, I guess I would say that that probably is true. I mean, unless you are threatening violence against someone. That's different. That, yeah, I think that's different. uh, There's not really much that can be done unless there is a threat of violence. Right. Well, here's the thing though. Here's the great thing. And we're just talking about government prosecution here. Here's the great thing. If, if 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 uh, 
Nagel's Bagels, Nagel's underscore Bagels, uh, the sports guru or whatever the hell he calls himself. I have more information on him, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lay it on me. You want me to do it? Well, it's, let me just say this. If, if that guy works for, I think he's one of the guys that got fired, but if that guy works for Citibank, let's say, and I alert someone within the organization that he's doing this and I was able to find out very quickly for whom he works, that employer has every right to right. dismiss him right. because he is besmirching their company. Right. He is a representative of their company and he's not representing them well. Yeah, that's a great point. So I don't have a problem with that, but I do have a problem with government interference. So there still can be repercussions and yeah, that's good. Sure. Yeah. Right. Because here, here's the thing. And I, I talked to someone about this the other day about them thinking that Twitter is should be used as just kind of a private conversation. And that's I don't believe that. I think that I'm very careful about what I write on the Internet because I have a policy, a personal policy that nothing I do gets edited or I'm sorry, uh, that nothing I do gets deleted. If I post something, whether it be in an argument, listen, there's nothing I hate more than being in a discussion on a Facebook thread and I'm getting the better end of, of the discussion, let's say, and all of a sudden, all of the subsequent comments from that person that I'm t talking to get deleted. And then it's just me with my weird comments hanging out there that don't make any sense. Well, and the main reason you don't like that, because it's happened to me too, is because usually you're engaged in an intellectual discourse yeah. where if someone who is outside and is looking in can read all that, they may be swayed if they sure. believe a certain way and yeah. they're interested in the conversation. So it's not just for you and it's not just for the other person. It's for anybody who can see it. It might be helpful. Sure. So, uh, real quick before we move on, tell me more about Nagels underscore Bagels, the sports guru. Okay. So, Other than being kind of fat and stupid looking. Go ahead. Right. So, <laughs> so this is actually something that Kurt Schilling wrote. Um, he talked about... Um, you know, tweets with the word rape, bloody underwear, and pretty much every other vulgar defiling word you could fathom were tweeted to him. And he kind of talked about how he's just not, you know, used to hearing that, even though he grew up around guys his whole life. And then he goes into detail about these guys. He says, the sports guru. Yeah, he's a DJ named Adam Nagel. DJ is a bit of a strong word since he's on the air for one hour a week. <laughs> On Brookdale Student Radio at Brookdale Community College. Oh, right. He's the one that got, he got let go from his position as a student DJ and also, I think, expelled from the school. How do you think that place feels about this stud representing their school? You don't think this isn't going to be a nice compilation that will show up every single time this idiot is Googled for the rest of his life? What happens when a potential woman he's after Googles his name right. and reads this? Yeah. The other clown, he's the VP of a fraternity at Montclair State University. I gotta believe if the fraternity is cool with a VP of one of their chapters acting like this, I'd prefer to have no one I know in it. Also, does anyone attending Montclair State University have a student handbook? If so, can you pass it along? Because I am pretty sure there are about 90 violations in this idiot's tweets. And all of that is valid. It's, you know, it's it's akin to the, the Oklahoma situation where they were having the racist chant and those kids have been subsequently dismissed from the school. 
you know, if if that school does have an honor code and you you agree to that honor code upon uh, admittance and acceptance to the university, then I don't have a problem with them being uh, let go, getting dismissed, getting expelled. But if they don't and they just got expelled, listen, people are hateful. People are dicks all around the world. And if we were to, to, to stop people from being educated who are racist, then how are we going to expect them to grow intellectually into people who aren't racist and hateful and stupid? That's a good point. So, you know, I'm just, I'm hesitant to ruin someone's life, especially getting the government involved if they are fucking idiots. Now, if they, listen, if it's, if, if it rises to the level of criminal behavior, like inciting violence, like we've said, that's a different story. They need to be punished and they need to be prosecuted. However, if you just call someone a bitch or an asshole, that's taunting. That's, that's just language. We need to get back to a time, I think, in this country where sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Violence will hurt you. And inciting violence has the potential to do harm. So that that already is a crime. But just calling someone names, I think some people need to to buck up and uh, be a little tougher, get a little thicker skin. Someone tweeted me from Buenos Aires and said that um, <laughs> according to my face, I might be an idiot. Your stupid face and comments. Yes. You might be an idiot. Right. Yeah. According, that was a year ago. According to my face and comments, I might be an idiot. Yeah, that's right. And we don't, uh, we don't even know who that is or even what it was about. Well, you know, she knows me well. Well, so. you've got a stupid face and yeah. your comments are quite stupid. Yep. I think she may have meant to tweet it. She may have meant to tweet me. <laughs> That's very possible. Good point. Right. So kind of in, in, in conjunction with this, we're talking about how the, 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 the era of Facebook and the era of social media is changing the landscape in which we live and how we deal with problems and even creating new words and concepts and problems for us. Um, there, there is a term being bandied about in an article from uh, medicalnewstoday.com. And the, the the word, the phrase, the verbiage is charantine. Right. And so this is basically, you know, parents who share too much yeah. about their kids' lives. It is a fascinating, fascinating take on this. And I didn't really even consider it at all until this particular case was highlighted. Right. So... um what they say in the article here is by the time children are old enough to use social media themselves, many of them already have an established online identity created for them by their parents. Yeah. And according to a new report, three quarters of parents have witnessed episodes where the sharenting trend has gone too far. So the researchers behind this report, the University of Michigan, the University of Michigan Mott Children's Hospital National Poll on Children's Health... That's a mouthful. Um, They note the dark side to sharing this kind of information about children online. So these are just a couple of the negative things that could that could result. So the first example they give is a phenomenon called digital kidnapping. Now, this is terrifying. This involves strangers hijacking online images of children and presenting them as being their own children within their social media, often creating elaborate, fictitious parallel lives for these children. Um, that is very scary. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> another another potential risk is 
cyberbullying, right? We've just spent a lot of time talking about that. The report authors referred to the news in 2013 of a Facebook group notorious for making fun of ugly babies. Now, they would take pictures of babies, feature them on this Facebook group, and that would be terrible. I mean, you're on Facebook and you see someone liking a picture of this ugly Facebook page and it's your baby? I mean, really? Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The internet, man, it breeds... A wild level of confidence. Right. And so most parents use uh, social media as a useful way of getting advice from more experienced parents. And almost 70% of the parents in this study said that they used social media in this way. The most popular topics were getting kids to sleep, nutrition and eating tips, discipline, daycare and preschool, and behavioral problems. And social media also helps parents feel less alone. So they share struggles they may be going with with their kids. And I actually know someone personally whose child has a disorder. Yeah. And this disorder is going to cause many problems for the child. This particular case that we've talked about, and I don't know how much detail you're going to go into, so I won't. I'll just reserve comment. Um, This really brought it around to me. So I hope you're a little bit liberal with the sharing because I think it really will... Um, bring it to really bring it to the to the the forefront and really uh, shine a light on exactly how damaging it can be. Well, I'll just I'm not going to talk about what the specific disorder is in the specific situation, okay. but but in the disorder, one of the potential side effects is that the size of the penis will be affected, right? Meaning that it will be small, very very small. And you know this kid, um, who's now like two years old. Yeah, he's being written about in this blog and right. these things that might happen to him when he's older are being written about in this blog. And I just, you know, it kind of goes back to what I always talk about with the indoctrination of children related to religion and politics. And I just feel really strongly about this that, you know, your kids are their own person. You don't own them. Again, we say it again. They're not you. They're and not a carbon copy. I just think it's really... I don't know, it bums me out when, you know, I mean, he's his own person. And now he has this blog attached to him where everyone knows his biz and the coworkers know his biz and her friends know this biz and the family knows and everyone knows. Strangers, not even people connected to the family. Anybody who reads that blog knows the goings on of this kid's medical history and the potential size of his of his penis, that, which is a, a sensitive thing. For any dude, even a dude with an average sized dick, is very insecure about the size of his member. Right. And this this child may grow up and be an outspoken proponent for this syndrome and, and he may talk about it at length, but you know We don't it, know that yet. Right. He hasn't made that choice, and that choice should be his. He's the one with the disorder. Yeah. And so this is kind of what I was reminded of when I read the term sharenting is you know, parents that share a lot about their kids, not thinking my kid's going to be their own person. Maybe I shouldn't share everything about them because it's up to them to share what they want to share about themselves. Yeah. Even as they're starting out young. So I don't know. I think people tend to overshare on social media in general. I I believe that. I mean, I'm not one. I'm a relatively private person, although I am out there. Like I said, all you have to do is Google me and everything's out there. But I, I try to be certain things are private and I'm, you know, 
even on this show, there are certain details of, of my life and Brittany's life that they're not for public consumption. And that's our choice. We've chosen to allow certain details out there. And that is, that's okay. It's whatever we choose to be out there. That is our choice. Well, and it should be everyone's choice regardless of age. Absolutely. Well, and so it's, she's taking away her child's choice of what could be a very traumatic thing as an adult. And I think maybe it's, uh, it's her, her female privilege, if you will. That she's not thinking about it from a, a male perspective. She's not thinking about it for how it would it possibly could affect him as a grown man. Well, and I know that parents do this to get support. And I know that's probably what the intention is here. I know that's what the intention is here, to get support. But, you know... She's getting support for a condition she doesn't have. Right. He has the condition. He's right. the one who needs support. Right. Not her. Right. It's selfish. Maybe ignorant, I mean, that she doesn't know what she's doing, but it's still selfish. Even unknowingly, it's selfish. Well, and it's like the culture, you know, and Brett number two sent us this email and we've been talking about this social media thing this whole time. And it really is just the culture. You know, there's parenting blogs are so popular now and, and it's this culture of sharing right. and being on the map. Yeah. And uh, there's many aspects to it that are unfortunate. And, and this is one of them. Yeah. All right. So on Tuesday of this week, the the ever respected and vaunted is vaunted a word, Brittany? Um, I would not be the person to ask. Wow. Well, it is now. Let's say that uh, the Presbyterian Church has now voted because apparently that's all you have to do to make something okay. They voted that they are now okay with the gays. Yes, the Presbyterian Church USA approved redefining marriage in the church constitution on Tuesday to include, quote, a commitment between two people becoming the largest Protestant group to formally recognize gay marriage as Christian and allow same-sex weddings in every congregation. So joining us by, by telephone, I almost said via satellite, but uh, <laughs> through the tubes is... is Frequent guest of the show, friend of the show, and I guess now we could consider him a part-time co-host. Well, that joke didn't fly, did it, you guys? Did not. <laughs> no, Ryan, no. Dr. Ryan Bell. Ryan, <laughs> how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. It's always good to talk to you guys. Yeah, so I wanted to to get you on because I think you have a unique perspective, obviously. Now, Presbyterianism... If that's even a a moniker, yeah, no, right. they uh, I know that wasn't your particular flavor. However, you were in you were in the mix. You were in the thick of it relative to you know the 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 Seventh Day Adventist tradition. And I wanted to get your take on it because having been a pastor for twenty years, you had I'm sure that you wrestled with this, especially toward the end of your your tenure, your career. Um. How, how is it that a Christian denomination, how do they deal with the, the, clear, the clear admonitions against homosexuality in the Bible? Man, that's a, really, uh, that's a really big question. In fact, I'm writing a chapter for a forthcoming book. I agreed to do this chapter back when I was still a pastor uh, to sort of represent evangelicals on the question of uh, homosexuality and the text, 
and there's like it's like a source book. There's going to be a chapter from all different types of religions, probably 30, 40 chapters, short chapters from different religious leaders, uh, talking about how, first of all, how their religion deals with text, uh, the sacred text, and then what the text says about homosexuality, and then how that texts have been interpreted over time and kind of where that denomination or that group is at currently. So, uh, you know, I spoke to the editor and I was like, you know, I'm not an evangelical anymore. Do you still want me to do it? You probably don't. And she was like, no, 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 we really want you to do it still, you know. So I'm doing it more as a journalist, you know, more as a researcher. So sure. I'm actually right in the middle of thinking of, about this question of how, uh, what the text says, what evangelicals' relationship to the text is, and then how they've interpreted the text over the course of, of time. You know, the PCUSA is the more liberal branch of the Presbyterian Church, uh, PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, instead of the Presbyterian Church USA. But the PCA is much more conservative, much more like the evangelical Presbyterians. The PCUSA is much more the liberal mainline, even though there are you know, conservative elements, and I remember going back 10 years now, um, debates and conversations with friends of mine who were Presbyterian ministers who were not, you know, who were, on, you know, on the fence. Some of them were wanting the church to change its, its stance. Others wanted it to stay the same. And it's, this has been a debate within the Presbyterian church for a while. The vote the vote certainly wasn't, um, I mean, it was about a two-to-one Um it says that with uh, with many Presbyteries, I don't know if that's the all, uh, Presbyteries. Yeah. yeah, every flavor has their all their little buzzwords. But uh, with eight, mm -hmm. with many Presbyteries uh, left to vote, the tally uh, late Tuesday stood at uh, uh, eighty seven Presbyteries in favor, forty one against, and one tied. So, yeah, it, it is while overwhelming. There is still clear and large dissent within the organization. Yeah, and there'll be there'll be fissures, you know, in the denomination. I'm I'm guessing some churches, or maybe even entire presbyteries, which are just like regional bodies, some churches may choose to switch denominations or something like that. You never know, you know, how that's going to go. The Episcopal Church sort of split along evangelical, along Anglican, yeah, the more conservative Anglican lines, and the Episcopal Church in the United States went more liberal. Um, you know, and, and the vote really, to be to be clear, the vote, as I understand it, was not a vote to change the the sort of the church's theology, but it was just to change their practice in terms of you know allowing churches to decide for themselves how to handle it, rather than telling them from the top down how to handle it. So I, I don't I think it's a technicality in a way. Well, it's it, really in, in a way it's too for reason. I think like because. And I and I said this on my on my Facebook page today. If if this kind of thing can be decided by by vote, you know that's one thing. But if you've been telling people all along that it's God's will that it stay a certain way or that it be a certain way, and then I can remember back when I was first learning to be a pastor in the Adventist Church, we made people take their wedding bands before they could be baptized because that was jewelry, and jewelry was prohibited. Right. And then I remember when the denomination changed its view and said, no, no, wedding bands are a symbol of the commitment, it's not jewelry, you can wear them. And I remember members of my church thinking, well, man, I took mine off, now you're telling me I didn't have to? 
I mean, I nearly got a divorce, you know, having to take off my wedding band. My right. husband thought I was being unfaithful, and now you're telling me it's okay? Like, Well, the, the New York Times defines this. It says that the vote amends the church's constitution to broaden marriage from being, quote-unquote, a man and a woman to two people traditionally a man and a woman. So okay. they're, they're still, they're still no being shitty about still. it. What's that? No, no bestiality. Still. No, no dogs. <laughs> right. It didn't. Like it did. It didn't get conflated to that. But my. It just, just people. Okay. Just, I just wanted to make sure. You know, it's a slippery slope thing. <laughs> my whole point is, is on Monday, gay marriage terrible, not supported by God and His followers. Tuesday evening. A-okay with the gay marriage. Well, you also have in the redefinition, it includes a provision that says no clergy would be compelled to preside at a gay marriage or host such a ceremony on church property. So they redefined the definition, but you still have, no, you don't have to take part in it, and no, it doesn't have to happen here. But we're going to accept it. We're accepting. Well, I mean, I think this is, this is the thing about the church from forever you know, if God, say, for example, there is a God, and God is revealing God's will to us, how is God going to do that? He's only going to be able to do that through people, unless God were to show up in person somehow, whatever that would mean. And so from the time that the, the church fathers, and, you know, they were just fathers back then, uh, were deciding, like, even which books would be in the canon of the Bible. So it's not it's not as, you know, for forever the church has been making important decisions in this way, you know, by just voting and then saying God's will, God spoke through the vote of the people. I remember when I was an Adventist, the church every five years has a general conference session where all the church members from around the world come together and make important sure, decisions. Sure, yeah. And, and they say that when that happens every five years, that, that God is present and God is presiding over that and whatever decisions are made in those five-year meetings uh, is God's will. So right. it's similar to Mormonism, it sounds like. Yeah, or Catholicism. You know, right. the church. You know, when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, you know, when the Pope speaks in that way, then that's the will of God. And you know, in a Catholic sense, it, they mean it quite literally. Like it, it is literally, you know, God approved. Right. right. But in, in a not so distant sense, the evangelical and the mainline church. I mean, I said to to someone today that the real headline would be Presbyterian Church USA. Uh, declares or admits or reveals their conclusion that the Bible is a human document subject to human interpretation, end of story. And, you know, that would be a headline. Like, that would be like, oh, okay, now we're making some progress. <laughs> and But instead, it's like, no, the, the Bible is still divinely inspired. It's just that we changed our mind about what it means. Here, here's, right. here's my deal. And you are... Look, you're way smarter than me, dude, for sure. You are. You have a far more nuanced view on issues such as this. And you look at the church and you, I think you still, and I don't mean this negatively or pejoratively at all, but you still harbor some fondness for the organization of the church, I believe. It hasn't, you know, you, you, you haven't gone through the, the seven stages of being pissed off that, that uh, you know, what you did for the, your whole life was kind of a bummer. Um, not that that will happen. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. So, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but, yeah. Here's, but here's my deal. Here's my deal, Ryan, is if this church is the, 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 the representative, um, 
actualized Christ on earth, why on Monday was being gay an abomination, as it says in Leviticus and all over the place, and then on Wednesday, good to go, come on in, we'll marry you. I mean, that the disconnect there is, it's a, ah, fuck, it drives me crazy because they're rewriting yeah. if they're God, if they're God, it was is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then what the fuck happened? How did just a vote on the constitutional language, I have a problem with that. Yeah, it's like God's committee, I guess. You know, they changed their mind. I don't, you know, I, I have the same problem with it. I mean, on the one hand, I'm really happy for gay and lesbian couples who can now get married yes. in their church. Um, on the other hand, to see it as some kind of coup or, or victory, I just, to me, it seems, again, like the slow, gradual admission of what you and I have already decided in our own minds, which is the Bible never was inspired by God. It was always human beings telling stories about things they didn't understand or grappling with things they didn't understand and making, you know, very old by now edicts about what's right and wrong. And, and it did, you know, the, the church did it with slavery. The church did it with yeah. women that modified its view um, and said, well, no, actually, we've been wrong all that time. Even though we were quoting the Bible to support our slave owning, now, actually, we, we understand. And, you know, my snarky remark today was, it's just so coincidental that God finally revealed God's true will, right as the culture is making a massive right. shift in direction. Right. You know, it's just, it's accommodation to the, to the cultural change, well, which I applaud. It needs to happen. But you can't hook it to divine inspiration, in my opinion. This, I just don't see how you do this that. kind of convenient timing, I mean, is is largely and in, in more more recently been enjoyed by the Mormon Church. When look, right. fuckers, you can't marry multiple women, and if you keep doing it, you're not going to be allowed to be in the United States. Oh, <laughs> oh, hey, oh, what a coincidence! God just sent us a message on the bat phone. And then also, pay your bills. also, hey, generally blacks are looked as equals. Oh shit! Oh hey, uh, Heavenly Father, just I just got off the phone with him. Blacks are okay too now. In 1978, which is yeah. kind of late, actually, <laughs> um, kind of late kinda to the party late, on that one. Late. Yeah. Well, my thing is, you know, I, if I'm if I'm a Christian, I'm thinking to myself, the church should be leading the world towards morality, right? Like yes. the church should be ahead of the culture, saying to the culture, hey, culture, be more moral than you are right now. But instead, what's happening is the reverse. The culture is dragging the church into a more humane, moral position on any number of topics. I just, it's just so obvious to me now. <laughs> yeah, I don't um I mean this is this is we're kind of going far afield from the the topic at hand but there's a Catholic church in San Francisco, I don't know if you read about this today, that installed some kind of a a surreptitious sprinkler system in the roof uh, right outside the entrance where homeless were gathering to sleep overnight to get shelter. <sighs> and the fucking sprinkler system would go off and douse these poor you know, huddled masses, literally huddled masses, dousing them with water 
to get them to move out of the way. And I was talking to Brittany about this today. And listen, it's it's like those memes that you see or internet comments that you see. You had one fucking job. You had one job, Catholic Church. You to take care of the poor, to to help the disenfranchised. And what do you do? You spray them down with fucking water. It's just well, I'm, re- I'm really surprised it's Catholics in San Francisco. I mean, the Catholics have done pretty good about poverty, especially you would think in San Francisco. Oh I'm, well, it's, it's just I gotta their look their story up. Their optics are way off. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of you know turning on like the lawn sprinklers at a certain time to kind of, you know, control the traffic. But sprinklers that sprinkle the porch of the church sounds a little, I wonder if it's uh, holy water. <laughs> um, Maybe they're being baptized. Well, yeah, well, they. I don't know that they uh, that the Catholic Church does the uh, the baptisms where you don't know it, like posthumously, like the Mormon Church does. Not to completely... Like the Mormon Church does. Yeah. Guess what? You're actually Mormon. Well, the story says that um, there are no signs warning the homeless about what happens in the doorways where the water runs. But at various times all throughout the night, water pours from a hole in the ceiling about 30 feet above, drenching the alcove and anyone in it. The shower ran apparently for 75 seconds every 30 to 60 minutes while whoever was there (sighs) reporting on this. Yeah. So that's a lot of water. And then since... What a jerk. Since the the diocese or whatever uh, bureaucratic mechanism has come out and apologized and said, we're not going to do this anymore. But, uh, you know... Because they got caught. Well, like you said, yeah, for sure, it's because they got caught. But it's also... It's in San Francisco. What in the hell's going on over there? I could see this happening in... You know, Louisville, Dallas. Kentucky. Yeah, Dallas, Texas, but San Francisco? <laughs> God damn. I know. I know. It's, it's pretty bad when, when the church is crapping on the poor in San Francisco. Uh, that's, that's, that's rough. So, you know, it's, it, this is, it butts up against the other issue relative to just the organization of the church. It's kind of like with Congress, or when you get man-made... Uh, organizations and bureaucracies and they get built it's like the the vatican bank right now and the and the pope is trying to unfuck that whole situation um yeah book just came out about that right right and and he says that it's 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 gonna take like a decade it's not just you know hey we got to change the culture and it's done it takes a (laughs) long time and you know one more piece one more little tidbit and piece of information an evidence that it is all just a man-made thing. Yeah, it's true. That's the that's the real like the other shoe dropping is when churches start to go. You know what? Clergy have known because we learned in seminary that the Bible was put together by people and it's full of problems and contradictions, and we just haven't been willing to tell our church members that. You know, it's like let them in on the secret. It's a bummer. It, it really is, and I I. I'm at a point in my in my walk with Christ. I say that tongue in cheek, obviously, but I'm at a point where I'm no longer. You know, I go through a stage when I talked about the, the the stages of grief with you. I say that kind of jokingly, but I have gone through stages where I was bitter and angry, and then kind sure. of apoplectic or whatever. And it, I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, look, there are millions. Hundreds of millions of very good, decent, loving people who who believe in this particular flavor of mythology. I just wish that they would stand up against the leadership within their organizations, within their organized churches, 
and put a stop to this craziness. And until that happens, we are at the mercy of the Joel Osteens and the Creflo Dollars and the, you know, although, you know, these these people who represent large swaths of Christianity. Yes, they do. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because people are are really hurt by it. If nobody got hurt by it, I would say, you know, believe whatever you want. But that's it you know, too. I, I, but, you know, the article that I read today too by my fellow Papios blogger Peter Mosley. You know, he he was saying too, like the church should apologize to the Presbyterian Church in this particular case should apologize to you know. Decades, generations of gay, lesbian members who were told, "No, you can't get married," and God said so, and that's why. Right. And now they're being like, "Oops, sorry, we the wires got crossed. There it was a bad connection. God's <laughs> now telling us that it's okay, and we really are sorry that we put you through that. We were wrong this whole time." <laughs> it's, it's. I don't. Yeah. It's it's terrible that the. The, the 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 phone connection between the church and God is about as terrible as the connection between us right now. Yes, ours is probably but, better. <laughs> but but no one questions it. No one says, "How is it that you got an issue wrong that is so important that people commit suicide over because they don't feel right?" The, the decisions that are being made by the church and the judgments that are being passed by the people of the church and by the church itself are are contributing to people just hating themselves because they believe they are less than. These are important issues that your church has an obligation to get correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, is the Eucharist the actual body and blood of Jesus or not? Like, those those are questions like, we can debate those things without any consequences at all. Right. Well, how did you, listen, going back, how did you deal with it? I know that toward the end of your tenure as as a pastor within this Seventh-day Adventist church, you were, you know, supporting gay marriage and and a lot of more socially progressive issues that weren't on the table for for the for right. the SDA. Um how did you how did you deal with it with the with the the powers that be? Well, I mean, I think I just defied them, you know, Really, and that's kind of what ended my. I did it gently at first. Um, I mean, at first, I made a religious liberty argument, uh, which kind of goes like, you know, if, even if you think homosexuality is an abomination, it's not the church's place to tell the whole country that they can't get married, um, and, you know, gay and lesbian members of our society. Then, you know, from. From there, for me, I just felt like a hypocrite if I didn't go the rest of the way and say, it's not just a religious liberty issue for me, it's actually a human rights issue. It's it's the fact that people are being treated differently for no good reason. And, you know, for me, I, you know, I, for a while I tried to say, well, you know, homosexuality, and there's, there is a case to be made that, you know, in Leviticus, you know, what they're talking about is different than what we know as same-sex relationships today, and what Paul's talking about is a recycle of the Old Testament, and, you know, there's some ritual, cultic, you know, worship involved in that behavior, and there was also some um, men with boys kind of tradition in the Roman culture that he was probably um, critiquing along the way. 
you can make all those arguments, but at the end of the day, the Bible doesn't condone same-sex relationships. It yeah. just doesn't. You know, and when I not even not even finally, not even using wiggle words, there's there's just no way around it. It's it right. was it was a crime punishable by death by having rocks yeah. thrown at you by the townspeople and their blood is upon them because they have sinned in the eyes of God. It's there's there's no it's that way actually it's still in parts of in, in places in Uganda and in Jamaica and there are places in the world today where that's still whether it's the official law of the land, it's the de facto sort of vigilante law. Like people are still killed for it. And so it's yeah, we don't have to look that far. So I, I remember the day, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, we were fighting property here in California and we'd come to the end of that and lost and we were pretty bummed and we were meeting up and and we were all sort of like licking our wounds about it and and said, you know, let's be honest, we all think that this isn't just a religious issue, right? And they're like, you yeah. know, and, and then it was shortly after that that I, I talked to a theologian friend of mine and said, Paul's just wrong about this. You know, we, right. we thought like if Paul, if Paul was here today, you hopefully would have a different viewpoint. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. But what we can know is that his viewpoint that's expressed in Romans is immoral. It's not, it's not good. And we disagree with Paul. And the problem is that when you're an evangelical Christian and you say something like, I disagree with Paul, that puts you sort of outside <laughs> the main oh, yeah. uh, stream. You know what I mean? Like you don't get that prerogative like it's not up to me to say all i disagree with paul well christianity you know know as well as i that christianity should really be called polyanity because it's it's more more was written and taught from paul on the matters of christendom than from christ oh sure and on this subject especially i mean you you know i saw a funny meme once from a progressive christian it was a little square image meme and um underneath it it said um, something like all the places that Jesus talks about homosexuality and meme was just white. white. You know, it's just, right. There's just no, and Jesus never talks about it. And if any, if anything, there are a couple of cases in which Jesus had an opportunity to say something to someone about it and, and instead healed the person's servant instead of, you know, there's a good chance that the Roman centurion servant that Jesus healed you know, over distance, you know, like without even being there, it's like, go home, your, your servant is healed, was very likely the man's sexual partner. Right. Very, yeah. A juvenile sexual partner, and, you know, which could be wrong for other reasons. You know, like, you know so, but Jesus just heals the kid, uh, apparently just out of compassion for the young man, and, and, and so a lot of um, Christian uh, gay activists will cite that that story as an evidence that Jesus didn't wasn't you know carrying a rainbow flag or anything, but he was definitely <laughs> much more interested in people's that, health and safety. That's the meme I want to see. In. Yeah, yeah, Jesus with the rainbow flag, his peace flag, his peace flag T-shirt. I was you know? uh, I used to have a T-shirt that said uh, "Gay Jesus hates Christians," and it was uh, it was like this kind of <laughs> Like really handsome shirtless Jesus with his hair blowing in the oh, wind. Oh, nice! And I was out having beers one day. This is downtown Boise, and I'm with a buddy. And this lesbian lady's like, "I have to have that T-shirt. I have to have it. How much can I, I'll buy that from you?" 
And I was like, ah, I'd had a few. I'm like, ah, I'll just I'll swap with you. Just find me something to wear so I'm not naked down here. And I gave it away. And while <laughs> it turned into a great story, it bums me out because I really wish I had that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, friends and I, like a friend of mine and I that were on this topic together, really wanted to create a t-shirt that says, God is gender queer. <laughs> you know, because, you know, in the Bible, like, you know, God is a man, but we were always making this point that God defies gender. He's not limited to one gender. And what do we call that in modern language? We call that queer. Right. So it's just interesting. Like, I think that even God, when you think about it, according to a classical understanding of theism, God is not a man or a woman or any of those things. God is this ambiguous gender. <laughs> I, I have joked I have joked throughout the years somewhat seriously, but joked about it that I think Paul was the the Ted Haggart of the first century. If you yeah, know you pretty earnest, huh? Well, you know, Ted Haggart uh was the the Colorado yeah. Springs pastor who, you know, the gay sex and the drugs and the but totally yeah. against the gay thing. He's, you know, so Paul was kind of, you know, Idaho Senator Larry Craig from, you know, 65 A.D. on. Did you see Jesus Camp? What's that? The documentary Jesus Camp. Did you see oh, that? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. So disturbing. And he, of course, is featured at the end of that film right before all the things come out about him, what he's been to. It was, it was perfect. Speaking of timing, that was perfect timing. And then, well, the thing is with a guy like that is my, you know, my heart goes out. Like even like Larry Craig, if you remember that story of him in the Minneapolis airport, airport. yeah, my heart goes out. I know Larry Craig very well. I, him and his wife Suzanne have been friends of my family for years and years. I, I have Christmas cards. I have Christmas cards from the family. I, I know them. He's always. It didn't surprise me when all that went down. And it's not mm. it's not just because I know the family that I that my heart goes out to him. It's just think of the torture that that guy is undergoing. That he's he can't just be who he is. And that's that is so God, just so sad. Even a guy uh, yes, like Ted, Ted Haggart. Haggart. A guy like Ted Haggart. He just he yeah. he's gay and he is he is internally tortured by the fact that he can't be who he is, the only problem with it is he tortures others as some sick vendetta to to make the world hurt just like him. Well, I really thought after he was caught being who he was uh, that he would say, hey, guys, you know, this is who I am. Because, you know, the guy, the Exodus Mysteries guy, um, yeah. Alan Chambers, he came around. He's really made it, he's made it an about face, and... Um, I was emailing with him the other day, and it's pretty remarkable. He's got a book coming out not too long from now and about his experience, his transformation. And I just think, you know, the, the truth is, is showing its face uh, around, the, around some of the barriers that have been erected by, by the church. And it won't be long until we'll be talking about this like we talk about slavery. Like, can you remember, believe there right. was a time when... <laughs> we actually thought the Bible was okay with this, or that God was approving of it, or that humans should own other humans. Like, this is crazy. Well, we are rapidly approaching that time right now that, you know, a recent poll, 64% of millennial Republicans are in favor of same-sex marriage. So if if not through anything but attrition, we're going to move into modernity, you know, yeah. because the, the likes of James Inhofe and 
all the whack jobs that are that are currently, you know, sitting senators and congressmen, they're going to be dead. And a new generation who has is far more science literate and isn't afraid of facts and data, they're going to be in and, you know, it's going to be a better world. Yep, I so, agree. Awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, we always appreciate. Oh yeah, you. pleasure. We always appreciate you coming on and and uh, putting up with my stupidity and my running roughshod or uh, what's the word? That'll do. Yeah, run, run over Brittany. Running over Brittany and not letting her talk. She's she keeps putting her finger up, and then I I just can't allow it. And every time we do this, I'm thinking, oh man, I really hope we get to chat with Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> But no. My my job is just to read, so that's that's all I well, get to do. You need to be like the Lydia um, of, of this podcast where you do like the science segment. You could do the psych segment. Yeah. That would be a good idea. Although I, I do do that a lot already. I bring a lot of the research yeah, and data and it's it kind of bores people, I'm sure. <laughs> it's oh. actually when we get comments, it's all about that. So right. they tell right. me how dumb I am. He, I should shut my mouth and come around on things, and then they praise you for what a wonderful human being you are. Well, <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, Vince speaks. So thanks for joining us, Ryan. We appreciate it a lot. Yeah, thanks, man. I always love it when he's on the show. Yes, he's great. There's a lot of things you can say about Ryan Bell. Mm-hmm. One thing that no one can say is that he's a dumb fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> that is very, very true, yes. Uh, we got to have that guy over for dinner because he is a smart bastard, and I would love to actually have a sit-down talk where we're not con- confined by time and worrying about all this bullshit with the yes, show. Yes, yeah. But, you know, while we were talking, this just came in. I wanted to share this with the audience. The Presbyterian Church, uh, they had to edit their their theme song for their church. Oh, they have a theme song. This particular church, yes, Brittany, they do. Oh, they do, wow. They have a theme song. And they hastily, apparently it was very hasty because you could tell they didn't take a lot of time with how they edited it. Oh, just thrown together, huh? Well, you know, they got to they gotta reflect the, the changes in their constitution of oh, their church. Oh, right, right, right. So I want to play it for the audience. Here it is, the new hastily edited Presbyterian Church theme song. And now being gay. And now being gay. And now being gay. And now being gay. Wow. <laughs> that is that is amazing. Uh, I I'm, can't I'm very glad that they edited it though, because Jesus is just alright with me. And also now being gay. Yeah, they need to have that in there. I'm just, I'm shocked by the fact that the Doobie Brothers is their theme song. Very interesting choice. Yeah, well, why? Why? That's uh, the Presbyterians love the Doobie Brothers. Okay. <laughs> I've learned something very beneficial today. Well, we're going to leave you there, folks, with the theme song for the Presbyterians. And uh, what can I say? It's been a good show. It's been a packed show, but it's been a good show. Listen, we love you for listening. We appreciate you. 
every single one of you. Go review us on iTunes after I tell you how much we appreciate you. I put you to work. Call us. Leave us a voicemail. Send us your promo with how much you hate the show, where you're from, and who you are. 657-464-7609 or record it on your smartphone and email it to idoubted at dollamore.com. Listen, if you want to support the show other than listening twice a week and dedicating your life and time to us and to moving the conversation forward, you can go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the screen there, there's an Amazon search bar. If you'd like to buy a book or a or a Presbyterian document, I'm sure there's some there because Amazon has everything, you can do it. Every little bit goes a long way, and if you're going to spend your money anyway, why not support your favorite show filled with news, news, and a little bit of ridiculous comment? Just a tad. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and God damn it, this has been, I doubt it. You had one job, Catholic Church. <laughs>